We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Jack Trapp's Danny Morang, Brandon Sprague. We are back. It has been uh, all, no, I say almost three weeks. It's been more than three weeks since we last did a show. Um, for those that are unaware, um, you will hear me sporadically cough. Uh, I uh, I had RSV on top of the nasty flu bug that was going around, and uh, I ended up with, was getting co- or what's called post-viral cough syndrome. Uh, and I have uh, quite literally a bottle of scissor. Uh, some cough suppression pills, uh, a steroid inhaler, a uh, whole thing of antivirals and uh, additional steroid pills that I am still cycling through. Uh, so I apologize that I will occasionally try to cough. I or I occasionally would cough. I will try to hit my mute button <laughs> uh, to to keep from interrupting. Uh, it was an absolute major kick in the ass. It sucks. Um, Shout out to everybody for, for hanging on and, and dealing with it. Um, I, I know everybody's like, well, we want more content. I wanted to make more content. I tried to sit down and write, but I was so messed up that I couldn't even really sit down and concentrate and really get a ton out of my brain uh, for the first couple of weeks. Uh, but I am back. I'm probably at like 75, 80% right now. As you can hear it in my voice, I still sound like crap. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we're back and we're going to crank stuff out, especially with the trade deadline coming up. Uh, I've started made f- making phone calls. I've had discussions. Uh, I've talked to a bunch of folks around the league of, of anticipation of kind of what to expect, uh, not only locally, but nationally as well. Uh, at least anticipation of what may or may not come with all that out of the way. Brandon Sprague, how you doing, buddy? Hello. Welcome back. It's nice to have you. Uh, I had people asking, Hey, uh, this is still a thing. Or, <laughs> and, I had to quickly say, yo, like legitimately guy can't talk for seven seconds without sounding like he's choking on an entire chicken carcass. Yes. Uh, so it was a little hard to to do a podcast. It's nice to be back. Uh, and shout out to the listeners. I we, we always appreciate you guys hanging with us. I know it was a long time off. There was one listener, and I'm not going to shout the handle out, but like weirdly saying, hey, <laughs> I know you've been sick, but the lack of content, and I just wanted to be like, the period goes after that, and you don't add anything. Stop. Hey, I know you're sick. Brother, um, I haven't been on the radio for three weeks as of today. 
Today I had was coworkers. My... Yes. Coworkers. <laughs> we're like, are Danny, you good? Coworkers asking if you were dead. Yeah. And they're like, hey, I know it hasn't been announced, but like, is he is he dead? And yeah. I was like, I hope he's not. I haven't talked to him in three, four days. I hope yeah. he's okay. And when you and, and I talked, I literally could not go five to seven seconds without, without coughing. coughing. And for those like wondering, like, this cough sucks so much. I would cough and not like a wheezy cough, like a deep in my chest, like my chest would literally lock up and it would get to the point where I could not breathe and I would almost pass out. Like it, it, it made me so lightheaded. I fell down a couple times when I was coughing, yeah. standing up and to get it full gross. There was a four or five day period where I was coughing up blood. So it, it was, I've been sicker in my life in the sense of like, I was hospitalized with pneumonia when I was in the air force and COVID two years ago, like put me down for like a week, but mm-hmm. I've never had anything like this linger like right. it did. And it has been anybody else who, if you're dealing with, like if you're, if you have, like, if you feel like you've got this, go to the freaking doctor for the love of God, because there's, there's nothing you can do unless you're just pounding like this cocktail of drugs. Otherwise yeah. you're just going to sit there and drown in your own lungs. Well, I loved that you text me today because I, I, you know, I didn't know the status when I had left work. I was asking yeah. your producer, I was like, is he in today? And he's like, mm. I guess we'll wait and see. <laughs> and uh, when you text me, potting tonight, I, I was like, interesting question to ask me. I should be like, are you alive? Are we, are no, you we're okay? Gonna, we're going to weaken at Bernie's the shit. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, just from right here. I'll just, hey, Danny, don't you agree? Um, it's it's good to be back. There is a lot to talk about. Yes, we have a ton to talk about because we have essentially three weeks of a shit show to talk about. Let's uh, let's break the Blazers up. Somebody better do it. They've won mm. three of their last five right now. I'm Red ba- hot Portland Trail Blazers. Nice little overtime win with a great shot from Jeremy to send that game to OT with about one point two left. Emotionless. Uh, yeah. Emotionless. I was like, how do you hit that shot and not like care at all? Didn't nothing. 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 Just stood there and everybody banged into him and he's like, let's go. I was like, okay. I I, I love the demeanor. I, I want to start. There is a lot to do. Let's start with the simple thing. I want to start with the rookie. The number three pick in the mm. draft. It's been a while. We've had some good games. We've had some not so good games. Been a lot of feedback and thoughts on this. And I, I just want to read a quick blurb from an article. That was released today on RealGM.com, RealGM mm-hmm. Analysis, Scoot Anderson's receding shoreline of possibilities. And I want to read just this blurb. You don't have to agree with it, but I just want to read it. Okay. Now the bad news. Through the first 35, game of, uh, 35 games of his career, Scoot Anderson is plumbing new depths for how poorly an NBA player can play, that he's stinking so redolently It'll change how every other small guard prospect is evaluated. It's way too early to write him off, but the line between granting him grace and huffing copium is increasingly thin. Again, not everybody might agree with that, but it's the analysis. Mm -hmm. What have you made of Scoot Henderson thus far in his rookie campaign? Uh, It feels like I'm going to go, I told you so. Because I'm going to go, I told you so. Uh, I'm scrolling back right now on my Patreon trying to find my first Scoot Henderson article mm-hmm. where I basically said, Scoot Henderson is going to suck. He's going to suck a lot because 
here's how rookie teenage point guards play. And they suck. And it was like, oh my God. It's like, he's been slightly worse than those guys in some instances, but he's also had flashes more reminiscent of the guys that were successful. The Kyries, the Lamellos, um, the Stephon Marbury's, those like the three successful rookie teenage point guards. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think looking at that part of it, it's, you're starting to see him put stuff together in a sense that like, okay, that makes more sense. Um, that road trip that they went on, that seven-game road trip, where he was starting, he was a tire fire. It, it was horrendous. And I got people mad at me like, oh, why aren't you blaming Chauncey? Why aren't you blaming Chauncey? Why aren't you blaming Chauncey? And I'm sitting there watching Scoot Henderson have four turnovers in a five-possession span in the first four minutes of the game, and I'm going... I can't really kill the coach here, guys. It's like they can't they can't even get into their sets. And it's just I just I don't I don't I don't know, man. I It feels like can I can I just interject here? It there are moments where I'm like, there it is. That hey, good flash. But it feels like it's in a weird place right now. I mean, there's a lot of things I think about the team. We'll get to a little Chauncey stuff. And I know you have you go back and forth with people on Twitter about this. I know. But something interesting happened in the league that I think you could comp. And I just want to sure. get your thoughts yeah, on yeah. it. Yeah, no, no I, I, I know you're going with that. With, with You probably guys. know where I'm going. Yeah. Um, but it's such a weird thing to like even have an expectation of a player not maybe being as incredible as you feel he may end up being. And then still end up seeing it and still be shocked by it. Or not shocked, but a little like, oh, I mean, I was right. Like, not you, but some of us. Mm. I didn't expect the world from him. And I, 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 you know, he's 19, but like, I still watch it sometimes and I'm like, okay. The good okay. is, I will say this the good has been good. There were a couple moments, particularly over the last couple games, where. And I think this is where it stops and starts for me with, with the evaluation process really for Scoot this year. Yeah. The first two months, he did not have a plan. I, I, I've told you, I think, off air multiple times, I had talked to um, opponents that he's gone against. Mm-hmm. And they all said some version of the same thing where it was, he doesn't know what he wants to do, how he wants to do it, when he wants to do it, or where he wants to do it. Like There was just no plan for him. Like In his head, he was just all over the place. It was erratic and you could see it. Like you could, uh, uh, like he just, he didn't, everything was too fast defensively look like for him to look at. And everything was too fast in front of him for what he needed to do to react to that. And as the season has gone on, you've seen like little pockets of a plan. And I asked him before they went out on this trip. Um, I'll say it was last Friday. I think it was, yeah. Like what's basically been different for him that be from the beginning of the season until now, like what specifically has stood out? He's like, well, I could, I recognize when the defense is loading up and what I need to do there. And I think you're starting to see like, okay, I can't just settle for this jump shot. I need to work harder here, which means I need to have DA or, or WAP come up and set this screen again 
and then reject the screen so that they're not just expecting me to take it and they go under. And I go the other way, and that makes the defense react. Like, he's starting to get little, like, he's able to just ratchet down little bits of, of a plan together. And when he does that, he looks better. Like, he had one where he they ran a, uh, an action the other night. Um, I, I, I ended up clipping it. I don't know if you saw it. He comes from the left wing off a pin down, so where he catches on a DHO, he's already go. He's turning and going downhill, mm-hmm. and he ended up driving. I want to. Was that the Pacers game? God, I, I'm still kind of following. Well, the Pacers game, he got knocked out pretty early. No, no, so it wasn't the Pacers game. It, it, it was on the road because I ended up clipping it here. Um, but he, I got their schedule. Up. Give me just. A second. But no, he he jumps up and he. It might have been. It might have been the OKC. It was the OKC game. He jumped At OKC, up. Yeah. He jumped up in the air and bodied the defender in the air and finished through contact for and one. And I was like, that, that is not something we haven't seen is the burst in like n- the biggest, I think skill question for scoot. Isn't the shooting. I just, I'm never a firm. I've never been a firm believer in his jump shot. Like everybody, mm-hmm. you can go back and watch and listen to whatever. I think at best he's going to turn into a kind of average kind of shooter. The thing for him is he's got to be an elite finisher. And I think he can do that. But he his biggest issue is his footwork is a mess in the paint. He either takes off way too late or way too soon. This is this is a problem Ant had early on. Ant had to figure out where to damn, to be honest. So I talked to Malcolm. I'm gonna go squirrel moment here. I, I did you did you read the article I wrote on Malcolm a couple days ago? I did not yet, no. Okay, so long story short, I asked Malcolm kind of it wasn't like a, a reporter question it was like me just like being selfish and wanting to know sure i was like man can i talk to you about something real quick i was like it's something that's been on my mind how how can you constantly go to your right when everybody in your mom knows you want to go right right and he's like ah, you know i just he kind of smiled and he's like i go left enough and he goes but i just i'm really good at setting guys up he he's yeah, yeah, okay. And he goes, and I go, what is it that you do intrinsically is, and he's like, because he's talking to Malcolm. When they, if they eventually trade him, which they probably will, um, I'm we'll going to be disappointed because <laughs> I wish I would have spent more time talking to him because he is such a joy to talk basketball with. Like he's, a, he's the way he talks about the game is very, very, very different than most people. Like he... You know when you have a, a professor or a teacher who's just really good at the subject matter and explaining it very simply, yeah. and, and but yeah. in a way that's different than everybody else. Absolutely, that's Malk, and it's it's very fun to talk basketball with him. And he he said this like, "Look, I'm not the fastest. I'm not the the quickest. I'm not you know like that." He goes, "I rely on my footwork and my strength." And he goes, "Where so many guys want to create space and separation." I want to take that away. I want to put you on my hip and put my shoulder in front of you because I can put you wherever I want to then. I'm in control there. And he's like, it's just this very different way of thinking about it where a guy like Ant or Dame are space creators. And mm-hmm. particularly guys today are more worried about creating space. Brog and, and JG, Jeremy Grant, are about taking away that space, using their strength and using their footwork. Jeremy Grant's footwork in the Brooklyn Nets game was some of the best footwork you'll ever see from a forward in the NBA right now. Like it was just, 
the stuff that he, he had like a double shimmy shake step through up and under. It was just like, Oh my God. And we started talking about like the, the paradigm shifts and how players are developed and how there's just nobody out there who's teaching footwork. There's like, there's no big man camp anymore. Like that doesn't exist. Nobody's teaching how to properly set somebody up, not to create space. Unle- but unless to use you're trying your- to go for one-on-one with a team. Like that's yeah, the that, only thing. Yeah. You, you go, do. go pay a quarter million to go work yeah. with a team. Yeah. Cool. Which, you know, Joel Embiid did. Yeah, <laughs> like, Giannis did. Giannis did. Like, look, yeah. man, you, you want to go do it? Go go, go to the GOAT. But, like, there's no Pete Newell big man camp. Guards aren't worried about their their paint footwork. Like, you watched Jalen Green the other night for the Rockets. Yeah. He's just like, I'm just going to jump over you. Yeah. I'm more athletic than you. Yeah, I'm. but, like, so few players in the NBA, Dame and Ant, their footwork is incredible for setting shots up. I mean, Ant learned from Phil, who learned from Dave. Like, Ant's footwork is almost the exact... You can put them side by side. We've seen all the videos. It looks identical because of that footwork work. There's just so few guys in the league who do that. And I say all this to come all the way back to Scoot, is his footwork is a mess right now, and you already see the flashes of finishing. If he can get his footwork under control, and a perfect example of this is Kyrie Irving, whose footwork was incredible day one and guess what Kai's one of the best finishing small guards we've ever seen Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily about how crafty you are with your bag it's the control the setup the footwork that's the stuff that matters and if Scoot can get that stuff because you see him he wants to get to his right for sure but he goes and attacks all different angles but if he can get the setup under control and that's not a small thing but from what I know about him and how hard he works, I think that that's an attainable thing. And then from there, we see where this goes. So, and uh, I know that was a really, really long rant, but it's there's like a lot that's going to go into this. It, it's a very, I mean, look, a lot of this, and I think everybody knows it, it's a very complex situation. It's not just as cut and dry as you know one thing. I 19 years old and developing on the Malk thing because I went to the Pacer game and I actually had really good seats for. Pretty good price. Um, <laughs> you can get a lot of those, dude. I was well, I was with the exception good. of the Milwaukee game. Good luck. Well, it's funny as you go to the schedule and it says Sixers tickets like two nights before five dollars, and then it's like Milwaukee, Milwaukee tickets five hundred. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh. um, Malk is what stood out watching him in person because you're so right. Like everybody knows he wants to go right. He's he's cagey and smart because like obviously he's a great athlete. He's in the NBA. But when you're competent to some of the other players at the position, he has to he has to be a player that can manipulate angles and use his strength. Like I was surprised in person how truly big his legs are. Oh and no, like, he's he's a, he's a little like squatty powerhouse. Like he's, he's a trunk. He's yeah. got a, he's got a fat ass. Yeah, no, like, he does. You're you're I not wrong. To, I wanted to smack it and like tell him, "Good job, yeah. man. You're using that thing properly." Mm-hmm. Dominated the Pacers. There's one other thing I want to tell you real quick that he told me during this process. Yeah, I want to beat you with the least amount of dribbles possible. Yes, and that that was the thing. It's like number one, it's like there's an inherent laziness in that, (laughs) but there's a like a veteran savvy. Yes, and I think this is what's so important, particularly for Scoot's development, is you don't need to hezzy hang, tween tween, hezzy hezzy. You don't need to do that. Not everything needs to be a big highlight. No, and it's like do the least to accomplish the most, and that's. That's true craft 
is when you don't when it's you boil something down to its essence, and that's what makes Malcolm Brogdon so good. Is he you know what he wants to do, he knows you know what he wants to do, and yet he still does it with the least amount of effort possible. So let me let me ask you this then. And this is obviously we're allowing more growth. I think what's interesting, and they're very different players, size, position, everything, is uh, unfortunately for him, he's going to be comped to guys in his draft class. That's mm. how this goes. Good luck. Well, we're, let's. Uh, Wemby's out the window. Everybody knows that dude is special. He's been amazing. His team sucks, but he has been unbelievable. Brother, Watching him go against Chet down 30 was be, great. Imagine what he's going to be in five years. This imagine what he's, he's going to be now. when he has a good coach. All due respect. Um, <laughs> well, I watched this team play, and I'm like, what are you guys doing? What are we doing here? Ooh, buddy. Just, I'm just kidding. Greg's the goat. Um, but the, the other one, in all seriousness, the, the other one's Brandon Miller. And we, we didn't know. Uh, we didn't know like where that was going to go, like what Charlotte was feeling. There's a lot of misreporting on that stuff, and they ultimately cho- choose Miller. Again, knowing that they're very different players, I think what people will push back on, Danny, and this is we can kind of get into some of the Chauncey stuff here because I want to mm. talk about it. I think what people are just like asking is like, well, how, how come Brandon Miller is hopping? How come Brandon Miller started kind of slow and he's found a way? Uh, and it hasn't been perfect from the Thompson twins, but they've had some moments like, I think people are just more curious how much of this is Scoot just 19 and how much of this is coaching development and like seeing kind of the, the growth in, in, in those ways as he goes more and more into year one. I think Scoot has developed a metric crap ton since opening night. Like He was awful. The first two weeks of the season. Like, uh, the reason why his percentages are where they are is because the first two or three weeks, he was one of the worst rookies I've ever seen. Yeah. But he was put in a position when Ant goes down in the third quarter to where all of a sudden, a guy who wasn't ready for the burden of creation was giving all of the burden of creation. Because the thing we knew this team was missing to start was creation. Which is why, you know, coming into the season, I'm like, this is Ant's team. Without him, they don't have anybody to really stir the drink. Right. You know, you've got Malcolm, but like that's the short-term fix, and you don't want to lean on him too hard. But the development part of this is point guard is currently the toughest thing to learn in the league. Where Brandon Miller, even though they haven't had Lamella Ball, he is not tasked with creation. I, st- I firmly believe the single most difficult thing in the NBA right now is not self-creation, but creation for a team. Hmm. There's a lot of self-creators in the league. Tyler Harrow is a self-creator. Yeah. He's not a team creator. They're again, worse since he came back. And It's not a knock on Tyler. It's just the rarest, the, the most difficult thing to do, with the, or the most difficult asset to find in the NBA. Two things. Movement shooting with size, uh, creation with size. So two rarest things in the NBA. And if you can f- find a uh, movement shooter with creation, you're like, ha! Ah! Or somebody who's so good at finishing, Giannis. 
that it can overcome that. Like Tatum, Giannis, Luka, Jokic, Embiid, LeBron, like Butler, Adebayo, like those, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, like healthy Kawhi, everybody's like remembering, oh shit, that guy's really good. Shea, mm-hmm. who's like 6'6". Six, six. It's when you're asked to be the engine, it is the most difficult thing imaginable. For Brandon Miller, he's finding, okay, here's here's where I... Scoot didn't know what his shot was. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone's like, oh, he's got a mid-range pull-up. It's like, okay, well, how do you get there? Brandon Miller's 6'9", 6'10". doesn't matter where he gets to. He's going to shoot at the top of you. All he's got to do is have one, two, step into it. One, two, step into it. Catch and shoot, step into it. It was a simplified process for him. And especially when LaMelo's healthy. Because you have a premier creator who's setting you up. And when you've got those things, it's easier. Like, I mean, Wemby. His self-creation is great for a guy his size. But the second they put Trey Jones on the floor with him... Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, it's Wemby supercharged. Right, right. And it's like, Jesus. Like, they're, they're purposely not doing it because they're doing the whole Sohan experiment. But, like, that's that's the point is you see the difference. Look at the Timberwolves without Mike Conley. They are a shit show. Anthony Edwards is a fantastic player. Cat is a, is a great scorer. Gobert, like, great defender but can't do a bleeping thing without yeah. being set up. And that's not an indictment on him. That's just organization like, how, there's probably like five true organizers in the NBA right now like, like just like them being on the floor means your offense is going to run efficiently and you're never going to like get off the rails or if you do they are going to pull you back very quickly it is a very 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 difficult skill it's why guys like Trey Jones and his brother are, are like very well sought after Mike Conley like, they aren't superstars but what they do is they they keep you on the straight and narrow and allow everybody else to succeed. Scoot is not to the point yet of being able to do that. I think that's the the archetype that he steers towards. Mm-hmm. It's not game manager, it's organizer. Because you've seen Scoot when he shines, when he has these high assist nights. It's it's not he's running the offense. He's spraying the ball around. Um, the, the one thing I love about Tyrese Halliburton is that, yes, he gets all these crazy assist numbers, but he's not Chris Paul, where he's pulling every single string all the time. If he gets the ball out, out of an out-of-bounds and he looks up ahead and he sees uh, Obi Toppin or Miles Turner yeah. ahead, he's just going to hit it ahead. Yeah. Get the ball out of his hands. And he's not worried about getting it back immediately. He'll now work off ball. It's a it's a very different dynamic. And I think Scoot is the same kind of guy where like he gets into the clock at 20 seconds, gets downhill as quick as he can. Okay, it's not here. Get off it. Or... Get two feet in the paint, spray it out, then reset. Like it's 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 a there's an organization to it, and a a desire to just play make, not dictate the offense. That I think makes him different from like the Chris Pauls, the Steve Nashes, the Rajon Rondos, who like they want to dictate everything. And I think it's just going to take six, seven thousand reps basically three years of reps Mm. to get a feel for that. Because again, teenage point guards suck. (laughs) Like it's just like you look at the entire history, man. 
It's just, it just is what it is. There's only like five outliers in like three. that's such there's a three. There's three. I mean, okay, three. There's there 24 go. teenage point guards, and yeah. that, that it's and that's if you take out LeBron and Luca because yeah, they're guards. They're guards, but yeah, yeah, yeah you know what I mean. Know. Like they're point right. forwards. Right. Like you take those guys out. There's 24 teenage guards in mm-hmm. NBA history, and they're all terrible. Like even Kyrie, Lamelo, Stephon Marbury. The bar is they averaged 15 and five. We aren't like talking like, you know, 23 and nine, like, oh my God, these guys came out there. Like, no, like we're asking for 15, five. You're asking again for that organization. That's really all you're hoping for. And even those guys, Kyrie's team won like what? 20 games this rookie year. The Cavs, mm-hmm. remember how bad the Cavs were? Yeah. <laughs> they were terrible until LeBron came back. They, I mean, they had multiple number one picks for a reason. So, like, even though he was, like, getting better, it still didn't matter. And we're LaMelo. We're, look, we're looking at the Hornets right now. They still suck. Yeah, they're terrible. So they're, they're still trying to put this all together, man. Uh, let me ask you about that. So, like, organizationally, they're, they're clearly we know what they're doing here, and, and they're building this out. There's been rumblings on trade stuff. We'll get to that in this mm-hmm. pod. We'll answer a couple questions. Uh, I got some good questions. I think we'll, we'll answer some of these questions just organically. Uh, but the ones that I see that stick out in terms of no conversation, we'll ask them and get those questions. Um, I want to bring up Chauncey. He has been, mm-hmm. in the moments since we did a pod, it has been easily the biggest lightning rod conversation, I think, around oh, the Oh, yeah, that, that road trip. They just, I mean, look. He, he, by the way, followed up the road trip. They've been three in their last five winning. But before you, I know you, you I can feel it. I can. No, no, I, I, I want to put this caveat out there. Okay. I have asked the organization if at any point in time when things got very sideways, if they had ever considered uh, changing, making any changes to the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. They have not indicated anything. None. Yes. I'm not shocked to hear that. But a move was done today that I think some, I've already gotten two texts on it from a couple mm-hmm. friends tonight. Wes Unseld is removed as the coach of the Wizards, who are worse than the Blazers. Yes. Uh, he is now working in the front office in some capacity. He's because no his last name is Unseld. That's why. Sure. And it, yeah, keep him as a, as a wizard. Um, but many have comped the records in the time are, are pretty, pretty similar. Mm-hmm. And I know Washington is Washington, so maybe it's like maybe you don't be what Washington is, but... You're also one of the bottom teams in the NBA. You're not very highly thought of. National podcasts are basically asking, what What are you? Who are you? What are mm. you doing? There's a lot of noise around it, Danny. And we've had some homies in the media that have also basically said, we're out. I'm out. I, I, this mm. is not it. I'm curious when Washington makes a move because it's not good enough for them, even though they know they're rebuilding what the position here in Portland is and what you make a lot of the noise of what's going on with Chauncey Billups. Cause it's not great. It, it's certainly not great. No, that, I mean, the last time they had a road trip that went that sideways was 2017 when Terry almost got fired, when they went to Orlando, Miami, New York, and they just got mm-hmm. the living shit kicked out of them. Um, and I was told that basically had they lost in Cleveland, Terry was going to be left on, on the tarmac. He's going to get Lane Giffen. Um, it's amazing it comes down to one game sometimes, right? It's like, well, if he loses this, he's fired. If he doesn't, he's coming on back. Yeah, it's, it's like, just, okay. it's, like I, I just, the, the sentiment was just like, it was bad. Yeah. Like, it was very, very bad. Um, they get that, they write the ship, and they end up having that year, right? They, they, they end up end up getting, what, the number three seed that year. 
Um, but that was the last time a road trip was like that bad. And it's kind of funny cause it was on kind of the same trip, you know, New York and, and the, the mm-hmm. swing through there. Um, and I mean, that 62 point loss in OKC is inexcusable. Um, and I've talked to the players and, you know, they felt a certain way about it, but I have not gotten any indication from the players that he's lost them. And to me, that is the most important thing through this season is the development and buy-in from the players. And is it, is it, I, okay. I don't no Go ahead. Well, I, I okay, but it, it, it's an interesting thing here because that's I would say like if somebody was pressing me, and and the thing I like doing about uh, doing this podcast with you about is I understand a lot about basketball. We we mm-hmm. both watch a lot of basketball. That's not even the Blazers. The one thing about me is like I can't really pinpoint. I am not Mister X's and O's mm-hmm. by any stretch. I cannot pinpoint a whole lot of things when you talk about hey, what's the positives? What does he do? One thing I know. And we've heard this for a couple of years is, well, the players buy in. The players mm-hmm. like him. The players respect him. Is that a reason to keep a coach? Or like, yeah. shouldn't the, it, when does it, the it, record, it, I guess, matter, you know? It is when you're talking about a young developing team because he's got to do, and this isn't an excuse, but you you have to get, you have to do more in the sense of like, you don't get to do a lot of game prep because you like, they have to spend time on fundamentals. Like they were talking about that coming into the season. Like they had to bag stuff that they wanted to do because they weren't as a, as a team capable of doing like some fundamental stuff as players, because they were just so young. And I was having this discussion with a, with an executive the other day about the shape that the NBA is in right now, not today, but just going forward and how young it is. So the, the like the, the G League Ignite, you know, they have eight kids on that team. Basically a high school G League team. Which yeah. is why they're getting the crap kicked out of them. They are playing <laughs> yeah. grown-ass men every night, and grown-ass men are punking them. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you something off air. It was, it was, you, you, got, you got people wearing Hand Fruit Nation t-shirts laughing at you. Bro, That's yes. Like, like, you, there was you, an apple on my back. <laughs> you suck. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a sight to behold on Monday. I will tell you that. Yeah. But... I was talking to this executive. I'm like, do you think it's good for the game? Like, I'm all for these young guys coming into the league and starting their contracts early and getting money. Like, that doesn't bother me. What bothers me is these teams come into these these teens come into these teams, and they are nowhere near ready. And these professional teams are having to develop kids to be professionals, and a lot of them are failing. Because you can't run a professional organization and develop kids at the same time. They are incongruent. It's just, look, look at the Blazers for the last couple of weeks. They have mm-hmm. been dysfunctional as hell up until about a week ago because they hit the dog days of the season. Look, this team does not have anything against Scoot Henderson, against Duop Reith, against Tomani Kamara, against Chris Murray, against any of the kids. But when you've got guys like Malcolm Brogdon and Jeremy Grant who are long-tenured veterans and they're watching these kids bleep up something over and over and over again, Anthony Simons is sitting there, Scoot Henderson's man is leaving Scoot Henderson and standing in the middle of the paint while Ant is running a pick and roll at 30 feet. That is going to wear on your ass because you're sitting there going, 
what like everybody wants to say this team it's it's all about developing scoot it's all about developing shaded you have 13 other players 12 other players that you have to consider it is not about just those two guys hell ant is still developing so you can't sit here and say i need to develop this guy at the expense of all these other guys they are professionals and they know the deal but that doesn't mean you like it every night and so you hit these dog days and you're getting the crap kicked out of you and the thing that matters to me is it's is your back going to break because that's that 62 point loss they could have folded this whole season and they didn't look where they're playing right now i let me be explicitly blunt here i don't think chauncey phillips is the best coach on the face of the planet he has very real shortcomings But I don't think making a move in the season is, number one, the way to do it. Number two, going to get you anything. Because if he st- if the- you get rid of him, Scott Brooks is your interim coach the rest of the year. I got nothing mm-hmm. against Scotty, but what's, what's the thing that Scotty does that you're like, yeah. Like, I, know he's about- I know he's been doing NBA Finals. I respect that. Mm-hmm. But uh, is he a development coach? Is he an offensive coach? Defensive coach? Like, what, what is his, like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, he took his... over when he got ejected in OKC and drew up one of the worst plays I've ever seen because we're trying to tie the game. There was two stuck. options. There were two options. Why? There shouldn't be. Give Ant the ball. I want to see that three. Go <laughs> Bro- for the jug. Brock had two options. He had Ant on one, and he had uh, Aiton on the lob. Yeah. He chose the lob, and he threw a really bad pass. I, I guess the hard thing, Danny, I, I, dude, I don't, I don't, this, the discourse is interesting on Twitter. I almost try to stay out of it because there's like, I've stopped never, going into it because it's not, it's, it's very well, it's much a losing the same proposition way. for it you. It is. Because right? it's like, so like I, I am not pro Chauncey. I'm just not anti Chauncey in the sense of like, what's your answer? Because there's no I, coach out there you're going to go get right now. It was like, well, you could have gone do- got Doc. I'm like, he's number one. He's not taking this job. Number two, if you're going to make a change, wait till the summer and have somebody lined up. Go get go get your coach. Number one, it's going to be it's going to be very difficult to find a, a good veteran coach that's going to want to take this job, knowing the development process. You need a so, Dagnall. You need a Kyle so, Shanahan. So you got to go. Well, you no. got to go find that young guy. You go, Jordy. Jordy's out there. Like, he's a name that's been in these cycles over and over and over again. And you're like, okay, if you're going to make a change, then you go down that path. It's no guarantee he's going to be that guy. But you need to you you need to make that change in the offseason if you're going to make it. I don't – doing it now, what, what does it do? What, 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 does, what does it accomplish? It sends a signal that you're not going to stand for this. Really? Be real. Like, that's, that's not what that is. Would you be would you be surprised or not surprised if they made a move this summer? I would not be surprised. Would not be surprised. I would okay. not be surprised. Okay. And that's not like anything that I've heard. Just a no, feeling, I, yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like number one, does Chauncey want to keep doing this? Well, Mannix did that a couple of weeks ago. They lost, and he was randomly like, "How long does Chauncey want to keep doing this to himself?" Does he, I mean, like, does he want to Brett Brown this? Because they're gonna. We, we talked about this this summer, Brandon. They're gonna be bad for two years. They're not going to be very good, yeah. Like, they're not going to be looking... It is not realistic to believe that they're going to be in a playoff contention for until 2026. Well, but what I would say to that is, like, does he want to do it? I, I don't know. I don't know Chauncey at all. I've never met him. He seems like a nice guy. But Chauncey's like, a great dude, an awesome guy to sure. talk with. I mean, like, I have incredibly good conversations with him, and I've had incredibly real conversations with him. 
And that's, the same that's things great. I'm saying here, like, do I think he's the best coach? I would, I haven't to, to his face. Like, that's the whole thing. It's like, oh, you're people, you're worried about losing your press access or your credentials. And I'm like, well, that's not how that works. That's, that's not how this works, guys. That's, and that's not how that works generally. I'm, I'm, I'm very blunt with the things that I say to, to people on the executive and coaching staff side, too. So I, I, I think like, the tough thing for me, I know for me, I can't speak for anybody else, but like for me, I mean, I don't feel very encouraged in general about the coaching, but like, I think the thing for me is whether it's all his fault, not his fault, like the dude got here with Dame and CJ and Norm Powell. And like, obviously that season hit the side of a mountain in the organization. The the the, the, the Dame stuff, the injury, Neil's yes. shit show and the, locker room dynamic of that team everybody's like well he had this and i'm like well he didn't <laughs> well but I, what i was gonna say it's not like i'm not even trying to blame him for that day yeah. what i'm trying to say is i've seen it when he's had some talent and i'm seeing it now and i don't mm -hmm. my thing is if he doesn't want to do it then okay i get it mm -hmm. but like also this organization has i i would i would be stunned if you told me these conversations about roster building and team building, he's not involved in. That would be a little odd to me if you told me that. And it's like it's not like he hasn't seen. Oh, this he know, coming, no, he knows. No, he knows it's coming. But again, knowing it and then seeing it, like this is the. I think this is the hardest part of the year. Of these dog days, and then when we get post oh, yeah. deadline, and it's yep. it's one thing to say here about that life, and it's a whole nother post game forty two, like and on. You know, it, it's all of a sudden you're like. Welp, here we go again, because the Blazers are, are likely trading Malcolm Brogdon. Mm -hmm. And you look at where things are at going forward. I think they're probably going to get a first-round pick and a salary back, maybe a young guy. Hopefully a young guy. I think Hopefully, that's, like, that's, that's the point, hope, right? certainly. But, like, you're just you're trying to get capital. And look, that's yeah. that's going to solve the Scoot Shea uh, ant thing as far as minutes are concerned. It also means you're going to suck. Yeah. Because Malk has been really good for them. Like, Malk has been incredible. He's a really good player. I, I think he's still leading the league in catch-and-shoot three-point percentage. He can get you a bucket whenever you need it. Defensively, he's above passable. He can play the one-two. Hell, they've had him guard up threes mm -hmm. and fours. Like, Malk is a very solid player. If they were in a different position, I would be upset if we were talking about this. Yes. Trading like he's, him. He's a, he's, a, he's a winning player. But, number one, you got to set him free because you can't make him go through this knowing what they are. And it, he doesn't line up with their goals. And that's Danny, totally fine. You know, didn't you have... Haven't you always lived by my That's what the money's for. You can, you can live through a bad rebuild if you're getting that money. Yeah, yes, and you can... I know what you mean, though. Like, let him go be career. a contender. Yeah. Certain stages of your career, you can do sure. that. Like, sure. he is in the championship window of his career. Like, that, I, I don't disagree, and I think a team would be that's lucky the tough to have him. Yeah, and yeah. like, he should be on a team that's like, they are on the upswing, or they are in a title contending window. Like, that's, that's he's 30 years old. Like, yeah, that's to go from he, Boston to this, it's got to be, Wow. What a what a snap back into my life, right? And he has been a pro about it. I agree. Haven't he, heard like, anything about it. Look, no even, even when he has been, you don't hear a word because he's a pro. Yeah. And so I like him. No, I do too.
It's um okay. So let's let's get off the chances let's, let's, of the other. Yeah, let's bang let's bang through some stuff here. I've, some I've stuff. gone on some uh, long rants. No, that's hey, you've been pent up for three. I've three weeks, weeks man. <laughs> I'm stunned you're not still talking about that scoot answer from like yeah. 20 minutes ago. Um, DA. Yeah. And by the way, I want to apologize really quickly. I'm well aware. I've been told by people on the internet and in my own life. I know I look like I'm in a hostage room right now. I'm not blinking twice. Yeah. I have nothing here. All of my stuff is to my right because mm. my desk setup was different. So I, I will fix this. So I'm sorry. DA. Um, I, I am officially at le- like red, red, er, er, er. I got alarms going off here and I know it has nothing to do with the snow and the ice and making it in. I, I, I actually make an argument. That was the day he became a true Oregonian. God bless him for that because nobody else goes to work when it's snow and icy here. So I don't blame him, but I'm a little concerned here. I know he was out for a while with knee tendonitis stuff. It's 12 and 10. He had a great game last night against Houston. To be fair to him, 18 it's and 17. It's his best game he's had in two months. I'm, yes. And this is supposed to be your max guy. I've gotten into it with some of our radio listeners. Mm-hmm. I just, it's one thing to like, okay, he's not winning the games. That's fine. When you come into the year and you call yourself dominating, I'm expecting 18 and 17 far more often than 12 and 10, which yeah. by the way, is about like, Eight extra minutes more Jabari Walker would need to probably average the same thing. And, oh, yes, I want to talk about Jabari Walker. We can definitely work some Jabari in there. Your thoughts on DA, Danny? I've been disappointed in DA. Um, So the first six weeks of DeAndre Ayton, he was really good despite kind of the box score numbers. Like, he wasn't just getting offensive opportunities. But his blocks and steals and rebounds were, like, all above career averages. His, his percentages were through the roof, and I was like, this guy has got zero space to operate in. The team is broken without Anthony, and he's still he's working his ass off. He has all the right in the world to be, just be like, F this, I am done. Those first six weeks when they just, they were abysmal, ants out, then scoots out, and you're like, Shaden's running the offense, and they're averaging like, 0.67 points per possession on pick and rolls. It was just, just, ugh, it was atrocious. Yeah. And he, he good soldiered it up, man. And I was impressed. I was like, well, shit. They get back healthy. They get some guard play. They start hitting some shots. It opens some things up for him. And he started to do that. And we had about 10 days of it. And then, then some personal stuff came up in his life. Really? <laughs> yeah. And I don't know this for a fact that it correlates, but you look at the time or the date stamps about when he started struggling, and when that happened, there's a there's a straight line you can draw. Mm. And I think Da is a guy that needs to feel the the good feelings, needs okay. to feel the good vibes, not just from the organization, just in life. I'm yeah, not, I'm not saying he's fragile. I'm just he's a guy you need to pat on the back. I don't think Da is a bad guy. In all my conversations with him. He's a good dude. Fun to talk to, jovial fun, locker room, just shooting it back and forth, cracking jokes, having fun. Like, I don't think anybody dislikes DA the dude. But he just, you know, vacillates up and down, up and down, up and down. And then, like, he sucked for six weeks. 
It's pretty bad. It was bad. Like it just pretty messed bad. him up. Then the injury hits, and it's like every, I saw some people like kind of questioning what he was or wasn't, and uh, somebody got mad because I, I kind of called him on it because it's the way the question was phrased. Like, oh, you mean like how injured is he? Type yeah, stuff? it was is like he can't possibly be out with like a sore knee, and I'm like, it's tendonitis, and his knee was the size of a cantaloupe. Like I saw him come back in for treatment, and I went, oh shit, this is like the like the, the first night he went on. Uh, the injured list, and I was like, "Oh, he's going to be out for a couple weeks." Like, I, I like immediately, I was like, "That's that's not good." And uh, you know, he had a couple stinkers when he first came back. I don't expect eighteen and seventeen every night. I expect sixteen sure. and twelve. That'd be that, nice. That should like that should be him. But even last night, there were moments where I was like, "Get your ass down the floor! Do not get beat down the floor by Alperin Shengun, who I runs know. like he's got concrete on his feet." <laughs> but eighty-five percent of DeAndre Ayton last night got you eighteen, seventeen, three, and two. I think that's what's frustrating about it, though, isn't it? Like, because the talent is so high. Yes, that's the question. Yes, but do I think he's gonna be that guy every night? Is, is he? I guess what people would say because he had a quote circulating from an interview that I Mark I, Medina, yeah, and it yeah. was it was look Medina knew what he was doing with the quote. No, I, I know he was. I don't want anyone the quote be damned, but I do think what people are wondering is, is he? I got paid guy where there's two players they get paid and they go, oh, I'm I'm gonna go get this contract again because mm-hmm. I'm gonna get better or, or I'm good. I got. I got paid and like to I'll be play. fair, most guys who get the deal that Aiton got, that's it. Yeah. That's Zion got his deal, CJ McCollum got his deal, like you know, it's I don't fault them either, to be honest. Like th- I did what I needed to do to get paid. Why would I do more? Like everyone's because like, Well, because you're a professional fans... and blah blah blah. And I'm like Yeah, yeah, that's what it is though. Bro, that's, that's... like they got paid. They they did what they needed to do, so they're gonna do what they need to do to maintain that. Nothing more, nothing less, and that's just. We get so used to thinking that everyone has a superstar mentality. No. Because if you had a superstar mentality and the talent went with it, there'd be more superstars. That's the whole point. Because you're certainly not wrong. You you need to have both. You it was like oh if you just work really hard no dog, no. There's a, I know a lot of players in this league who are dogs, absolute thugs, just eating every day like you would not believe off the floor. And they're mediocre players. And then there's guys that they just waltz through shit. Like it's nothing. And they are stars in this league. Because their talent is so overwhelming. Like if if fans knew just how stuff was behind the scenes across the across the sports landscape, players would be viewed very differently. <laughs> <laughs> but I think very I think, differently. I think Danny, where where it boils down for me, and and maybe other people who share my opinion or or whatever. I'm frustrated with Da. I'll, I'll be blunt because I'm I I'm probably one of his biggest believers in the talent oh yeah because we you see what he did him. like you yeah, see what he did last pop. night again he it was yeah. not a hundred percent game from him and it was 18 and 17 what is a hundred percent game for him it looks like 25 and 20 last night 
it's the it's it's just and look it's sports man but like it's just the branding of myself as a dominating figure and then having a six and four night and i'm like those two things i cannot buy that t i think the last i think the last couple games before that i think there was some both soul searching and finding his sea legs that Pacer game was weird watching him. He just couldn't do anything right. Nothing, and they didn't even yeah. play him at the end of the game. Yeah. I I think he just just is was trying to find his rhythm. And I don't again, I don't think all of a sudden after last game he's gonna be like, oh, that's him. Oh no, well, I need I, more prove it. So I need I need a couple weeks of this kind but of stuff. I, I would like to see between now and the All Star break. I think it's like six six games. Uh something like that, yeah. I would like to see him close these six games out. Like Give give me seventeen and eleven, seventeen and twelve, between now and then, and then uh, post All Star break, keep it going. Let's move from Aiden. I want to talk about two rookies, mm-hmm. and for different reasons. Again, well, not one of them is not a rookie. Excuse me, but a second year guy and a rookie. Mm-hmm. I'll start with the second year guy. I think he deserves a lot of uh, applause. I think people are super excited what they're seeing. This is a little bit about finding dudes, right? Like, not every team is going to give you a ton of dudes, but you want to find dudes along the way. I, I'm I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to old takes expose myself. I think Jabari Walker's a dude. I think they got a dude. I'm not telling you he's the greatest dude. He's your six man dude. He's a, ro- he's he's a, a rotation dude. player. Yep. He is a dog. He's a little bit. Of, he talk about that dog. That pay, you saw that Pacer game. He was ready to fight. He was fired up. Yeah. He's showing that a lot more. I'm impressed with him, man. What do you make of Jabari? Look, we had Jabari at Summer League in his first year. I remember talking to you going, he's going to be in the league 10 years. Like, he just, he gets it. He understands it. His dad instilled in him from the jump, you're not a star. And that wasn't a knock. It was just like, go star in your role. And Jabari has been about that since day one. Uh, Bari is a guy who, legitimately, after every home game, I will go in the locker and I'll go talk. I would, well, the first thing I will do is go in there when I see Jabari, I go, Got any new ones? And we're talking cuts. Because mm-hmm. he gets clawed every freaking game. Like, I, I'm not talking like little cuts. Like, I'm talking like what Scoot Henderson did to LeBron type cuts. Yeah, like, yeah. Barry took off his jersey and he's got his white, like, padded, like, undershirt. And there's just a blood stain pouring down his chest. Because he got clawed up and down his chest. And he'll go in the shower... And he'll come back out, and he go, and I'll ask him. And he goes, "Yeah, you know, I can always I, when I walk in the shower, I can always tell because I go to rub. As soon as I go, I go, ah, yeah, <laughs> and I it's find like a, a new one. Cut. You, yeah, yeah, the soap hits it. And you're yeah, like, oh, and he's it. like, he's like, oh, found a new one. And he like, and it's because he is in the trenches, and he's not very big. I think no. Bari, I think Bari's listed at six eight or six nine. It's like six seven and a half, but it's positioning, it's understanding, and it's fu. He will, Barry, Barry's got a big ass and he will put that thing on you and lean and mm-hmm. he will get his positioning and, and shout out Casey Holdall. Barry has one move. It is a rebound put back. That's not true. <laughs> he, Casey says he has one move is the rebound put back. I'm giving him two. He has the world's slowest Euro step that is also very effective. Yeah. And I think it just gets guys off balance because they're like, why is a guy this big going this slow? <laughs> but uh, Bari just knows what he's supposed to do. And Bari's frustration right now, the thing that's like, I don't want to say holding him back, is his inconsistent shooting. And we've mentioned this on the show. He's retooled his jump shot, and he is 
he has told me that he knows that it's going to take this whole season to, to work out the kinks. Because you see a lot of variation in his jump shot. It's not, oh, he's missing right or he's missing short. It's like him and Scoot, when they miss, you're like, it's like Dennis Rodman, you know, pointing all over the place. Yeah. Tracking rebounds. That That's what it's like. You're just like, oh. And that's because he's still trying to hone that in. And if he can get to where he's a 36% three-point shooter, you can talk about being a starter consistently in the league. If not, he's your kind of first prototypical first guy off the bench. But he's making the right plays on four on threes. He's bringing an energy and a hustle. And, and the Blazers have made the starting lineup change about a week ago, 10 days ago now, with Scoot and Tamani both coming out. And it has to do with the, the they just aren't affecting games in a positive way. Bar, yeah, Barry's played his way over Yes, Tumani. and yeah. that's the thing. is, It's not really a shot to Monty across the bow. It's a, two, you got you to knock down threes, dog, because they're going to prioritize Scoot over you. And if they're going to put one non-shooter on the floor, it's going to be Scoot, not you. Yeah. And so Barry's like, ah, I'm struggling shooting, but I'm finishing around the rim. I'm getting yes. my offensive putbacks. I'm finishing on the short roll. And two was struggling on the short roll. Bari was like, it was just inching about, even though two provides this, this defensive push as a point of attack guy, that wasn't enough to overcome the offensive shortcomings. Whereas, yeah, you lose a little bit of point of attack defense, but you get some switchability that you get with two that you get with Bari. And he gives you just enough where he switched on to smalls where you're like, Meh, it's all good. Yeah, we, we can deal with this, but it gives you more as a rebounder. As an offensive rebound threat, like the Blazers as a team, uh, Haberstroh has brought this up a couple times on the broadcast. With Bari on the floor, the Blazers are one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the league. Yes. Because it's not just him, it becomes contagious. It's infectious, yes. yes. In it, it, yes. And Bari brings an effort, an FU, uh, uh, mm-hmm. a toughness. And not that two doesn't bring it, it's just, it's a different kind. It, and they yeah. need that kind more than I think they need what two brings right now, at least. Bari, Danny, for me, if I could sum it up between him and two, and I, I want to get a little bit of two stuff here before we get to some trade stuff. Bari, for me, just doesn't feel like, even in law, obviously they've had a lot of losses. Bari doesn't yes. feel like he's overwhelmed. And I feel like sometimes I watch two, and it just, the offensive stuff, man, it's, you know, I'm certainly not giving up. I love Tumani Kamara, big fan. Uh, I don't. I think anybody running with any conclusion would be a mistake. Twenty-seven and a half percent from three is. I mean, I just. It feels like you're playing four on five when he's on the court, and that's the unfortunate thing is he's so good. When you look at his defensive metrics via cleaning the glass, Dan is like 88 percentile, 68 percentile. Like he's making significant impacts defensively, and then you go to offense. 11 percentile, 8 percentile. It's just, it's not, um, it's, he's just, he's a Tony Allen, but like it's, you know, it's a worse version because like there's zero offense. And so it's like, I don't know, it's, it's a and little again, Derek and Jonesy. You, and you, you know? can't do that with, well, Derek Jones is actually okay well, no. on that now. No, no, Derek, no, but, but, but three years ago. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yes. And, and that's yeah. the thing is like, two has got to find a way. He's got to find a way. And that is his, his, his goal in the offseason. Is like that's the thing he has to, he has to work on. It's his handle, so he can work on four on threes, like catching in the middle of the floor. His processing and the ability to knock down threes. It's it's just that simple. Is it? Is there anything for you with him 
that you want that you need to see, or is it pretty cut and dry? Like we know what he is. Who he's oh, gonna be we the rest we of the we, year? we know what two is. We we know what like. And I had somebody okay. ask me like, as far as like developing in year, you develop in year like with reps and understanding yeah. and concepts. Yeah, because they don't, don't practice. <laughs> not only just that, like you just, you don't develop as a shooter because you don't change your shot in season. You will do fine tweaks, but you don't you don't tear that shit down and build it back up until the offseason because you need to get literally thousands of reps to hone it in. And so like it was like, oh, he needs to work on his jump shot. It's like fifty shots in this, you know, on Tuesday, hitting hundred threes isn't doing him anything. Yeah. Like, it's like you under like the thing you learn in season is instinctual. It's IQ. It's processing, making the right reads at the right speed, open like understanding where openings are and where things close and tendencies and like feel. That's that's really where it comes from. The interesting thing when you look at Jabari's on off stuff, their differential again. The differential for the team sucks, but they're in the twentieth percentile with Jabari on the floor overall. Defensively, they're in the eighteenth percentile. Offensively, they're in the 30th percentile. But it also, if I do that, and I, again, this is going to sound so terrible, I take Scoot Henderson off the floor. Yeah, changes, doesn't it? But it actually gets worse offensively, as weird as that is. That is that is weird. But so it's like, but. I'm about to go Mike Wilbon on your analytics right now. Uh huh. It's like, hmm. <laughs> but the interesting thing is, they're in the 96th percentile. On offensive rebounding. They have a 33.6 offensive rebound rate. I just, I my thought in my head when watching him play on that Friday against Indiana, I just thought there's not a more Portland player than having a Jabari Walker, the second round it's, guy. It's, it's a Brian Grant 2.0. It, it really felt that way. Even down to the dreads. Um, what, are you, what are you feeling? What are you hearing? What are we expecting for the trade deadline? Woj saying that Portland not in a rush to be moving Malcolm Brogdon. Also, we, anybody... we do have some quasi-breaking news. Adrian Wojnarowski is saying oh. uh, the Portland Trailblazers are letting lapse the 48-hour deadline to file a protest over Tuesday's loss to Oklahoma City, confident that they communicated their frustration to the league office about the final moments of that game. So they just wanted that's, to make sure yeah. they put that refereeing crew on blast. Yes, that's that all, was, that's hey, all that was. fix your problem. You can't have two rookie refs in the same game and yeah. have that happen. Yeah. Um, what do you hear from what's the buzz? Because Woj is saying they're not in a rush for the shout, shout out Woj for gassing up the, the Trailblazers' assets. Uh, that's, that's, I kind of read it that way as well. Yeah. And we know Grant is something that they might want to hold on to unless they get a sweetheart of a deal. Yeah. Look, I will say unequivocally with my my direct first hand sources, I do not believe the Portland Trailblazers are interested in moving Jeremy Grant. Now, if they got a deal that knocked their socks off, sure. But I'm gonna tweet that out. Actually, I'm gonna live tweet a quote from my go own for podcast. There you go. I like quote. it. Um, I, what did I, you say? How I, did you phrase it? I got a quote. They, if you they right. get a deal that, that knocked their socks off, then maybe they would listen. No, but uh, you said you're under under no belief. Yes, that they will. I under uh, under under no belief that uh, that they will uh, trade Jeremy Grant. All right. There you go. I'm gonna tweet that out. How about that breaking like news? I like it. Um, <laughs> I I got uh, into. Uh, Thrown into a Reddit thread. Boy, do they hate my guts on Reddit. Shout out those guys. Uh, the Blazer Reddit or just a Rip, general? Rip City Reddit. Uh, they, they, oh, they, they hate you? Oh, I mean, come on. Come on. It's me. I know what this is. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> I laugh at it. But they, they, they were uh, they would be an idiot if they didn't take the same deal that, that the Raptors got for Pascal Siakam. 
No, the Blazers do not want two late 2024 first-round picks, Bruce Brown and a 2026 pick. That doesn't do them anything. Like, I, I don't think people truly understand how not good the 2024 draft was. Um, I, when we get done with this podcast in the next hour, probably after the podcast, I will be publishing the latest Jack Ramsey's. It, it will be behind the paywall because it's very long and it's very, it's a lot. But the gist of it is uh, the G League Ignite prospects were not overwhelmingly good. Yeah. The last two games in here in Portland, I got to see them in person and um, yeah. And it's, 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 it's a, a lot. There's prospects on that team. <laughs> There's some prospects on the team, sure. Yeah. There's some prospects on that team. <laughs> Danny, we picked a hell of a year to tank for a draft. Woo, buddy. Likes. And adding two more draft picks in this draft class is just, no. That that value, what they got for Pascal Siakam was nothing compared to what, I, what they would have got from a year ago. Well, clearly ago. they've been operating from a very stupid point of view. Yes. I mean, they let Fred Van Vliet go Walk. for absolutely nothing. Yeah, like, what they got for their, the three anchors of that franchise were just nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Um, and so, yeah, I would value everybody's like, oh, they got three first-round picks. Like, no, no. All, all first-round picks are not created equal. There's significant. I would, it was the same argument I made during the, the, the Dame trade saga. Quality over quantity. The Trailblazers got that Warriors pick, and hilariously, it might be a lottery pick. Like, yeah, it's looking they, like they, it right now. now. They stumbled into that, but they got picks further out, hoping for the quality, mm-hmm. not the quantity. Hoping that the Bucks, when Giannis is 34 years old, that that pick is going to have some juice. I know we talked a lot about in the offseason, Danny, like picks in the future, the late 20s, and like we, who cares? The pick's going to get traded. I'll tell you right now, it's it's quite tasty, that 2029 Bucks first round unprotected pick, isn't it, right now? Given everything that's – Glenn Rivers is there. Dame is 33. Watching the self-destruction that's coming down that pipeline? <laughs> Hold on to that thing, man. Yes. Hold the, on to that thing. And that's that's why that stuff is like, oh. So you're really just expecting Malcolm and that's it, kind of? just. To... I think Malcolm and I think there may be a possibility of Matisse. Okay. I know, that, I know there, there are teams interested in Tease. Yeah. Uh, Tease essentially has the right of first refusal because he signs as an RFA. He basically has a no trade clause and he can't be traded to the Dallas Mavericks for at least a year from the time okay. that he did that. Um, there are quite a few teams that are, that are in the running for a wing defender. I would be, sh- I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if Milwaukee came calling. Ooh, Tease and Milwaukee is kind of what they need. They, yeah, I mean, they need as much they would defense have, they as would they They would have to patch that up because obviously him and Doc, not. Doc did not do Tease any favors in Philadelphia. And, and yeah, he knows Dame. I mean, he's got. And I think that's that. a big part of it is that he would have Dame there who is a friend and they share the same representation. And I think that would be very much communicated that um, I'm going to shoot. And I'm going to play a little bit more freely like I have in Portland, which has empowered me. And I have shown if you let me do that, I can be yeah. much more effective. Um, they're not going to deal him to some other tanking team. Like, because Tease is going to go, <laughs> nope, I'm good at my tank. Yeah. 
Right. I like my particular M1 Abrams. I'm not going. I might to as well Russian... stay in the Northwest if I'm yeah. going to be on a bad team. Yeah. I don't need to go to the Russian T92. I like my Abrams. Okay. <laughs> yes, I'm going full. You know, <laughs> literal tanks. Um, Jeremy again is a guy I don't. I don't see being moved. Um, DA is not going to be moved. He just doesn't have really any value for them right now. And to be honest, if DA returns to form and he's like 16, 17, and 12, who are they going to go get that's better than him? Uh, what's going to be interesting is which way they would go with Brogdon. It is can like, I interrupt real quick? Are, you mentioned DA. Like mm-hmm. I, I, that hadn't even hit my head. Like I, I think there would be a legitimate. I've had people, I've had people ask me about that. over that. Like yeah. what? You just got him? Or, yeah, no. And I th- and I think like if he's capable of being that guy again, again the sixteen and 12, 17 and twelve guy, like that, that's fine for what they're doing right now. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's. Why, why would you want to go another way? Right. Like, right. How, how do you improve there? Yeah. It was like, oh, the money. And I'm like, they don't need to worry about the money for two more years. So, and by the way, his contract's up then. Weird how that all works out, huh? It really is. Shocking. Uh, do you think it's the Knicks with Brogdon? That's they been the loudest sh- they, Well, they showed the most interest, but I... I don't think it's the Knicks right now. I think it's Orlando right now. Oh, the Magic? They they oh. need a point guard, and they need shooting in the worst possible way. They're dealing with all of the injuries right now. And a good um, veteran on that young team would actually we, be really good for them as they're taking this playoff step. And it's like, if, if it's the Magic, is it Wendell Carter Jr.? Like, could you, instead of a, a, a one, could you get like Wendell Carter Jr. and Caleb Houston? Two younger guys. I think Caleb's 21. Wendell's 24. How do you think Wendell would work on this team? I, I think if if you're – then you're obviously you're looking at moving Time Lord in the summer. That's the other one sure. is, is Robert Williams. I've heard people kind of kick around. Uh, Rob hasn't been around the team much. He's been in L.A. and I believe home in Texas. Rehabbing, right? Rehabbing. Yeah, yeah like – He's he's he needs to just go get right. Like he comes in and checks in with the team, is around for a couple of days, and then goes back and rehabbing. Sure. When you have an injury that like requires that level of surgery, go home. There's really nothing you can do with the yeah, team anyway. Just, just go so. home. Just go home. Um, be comfortable. That kind of deal. Uh, Kirk says the Timberwolves could use Brogdon. They could. They don't have the salaries to make it happen. Like if you look at it, it's like Rudy, all of the money. Cat, all of yeah. the money. Ants on his rookie deal still, but he's going to have all of the money. Conley, they're not getting rid of. Slow mo makes like nine million, but they don't want to get rid of him. That's Jamie kind of the piece like, that they're making a move, isn't it? Slow mo, probably. If they make a move, yeah. Uh, and if you're Portland, you're like, well, like we could like slow mo's nice. Like I wanted slow mo when they had Dame. Like that was yeah. a guy that I really wanted for them. Again, that playmaking with size. Um, but if I'm Portland now, I'd be like, I want Leonard Miller. But like the problem here is that Brog makes twenty two million dollars. Like it's not the most, but it's like you have to give up real salary. Yeah. And if I'm dealing with the Knicks and I have to take Fournier's deal and, and deal with that, I want just a first and I want Quentin Grimes. Oh, that Fournier Fournier is expiring it's, though, yeah, right? Yeah, it's like it's it is what it is. But it's like the thing that I'm getting back in return isn't the first, it's Grimes. Yeah. Like that's like because that first is gonna be either a crappy first or it's gonna be a first that's like it's out a bit. So, right, right. Um, yeah, I, I think he prefers to go. Do you think he even cares? Huh? You think Malcolm cares where he goes? Like, I think so. I, I, but honestly, I, I can like in my head, I can see Malcolm as a Nick. 
I could also see him as a magic and like that. Actually, I, honestly, I think he. I think it'd be really good there. I think he'd I, have I, fun I, with them too. Yeah, I, I mean, I think getting up and down would be would be really good. Like it's yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's actually been very quiet outside of the uh, initial actions with Pascal and and OG. Yep. I think it's going to be one of those things where in the three days leading up, it's going to ratchet up. And I think the final two days, it's going to go whoop. Yeah. Uh, and talking to executives around the league, I was trying to get a feeling for where teams are. And I started asking executives this. The general question was, where do you feel like between the deadline and the draft teams are? Mm-hmm. Like Because there's, number one, I think... My personal belief from from just different discussions is that I think the draft is going to be chaos. Just in terms of like moving in and out of spots yes, and stuff? And, and not just yeah. that, like player transactions, like trying to move stuff around. Because the thing about the draft is like, yeah, you want to get good young players on rookie contracts, but like, do you want to use the fifth overall pick on a guy who would be like 19th in a draft otherwise and pay right. him essentially $9 million a year? Like, all of a sudden, that guy's no longer, like, that's like a damn near MLE slot. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's rookie scale, but, like, how is that guy going to be rookie scale? Yeah. Like, is he going to be good enough for that in the first two years? Like, and so there's just, like, it's a, a lot of teams are unsure of, like, well, maybe. Like, I think it's going to go one of two ways. It's going to be hyper busy or unbelievably quiet. I don't think you're going to get like a, a few transactions. I think you're just going to, it's going to be nothing. Like you'll just see like very small, minute, like second round pick move for whatever to move salary around type stuff at the deadline. And then the, the draft is just an S show or you're just going to see full chaos on both. I'm looking forward to seeing what Portland gets or does for the trade deadline, Danny. Hell of a year to mention the draft being an S show, and it's the year that we're in contention for the number one pick at a draft that is uh, not so confident. I am. Uh, I'm looking at the clock. I'm looking at the schedule. So I want to. I want to tee this up to you. And I know this is kind of like live on air producing, but I just it. It's about as honest as you can be. So they get San Antonio tomorrow. You get a Wimby game tomorrow. Mm. Come home, you get Chicago on Sunday, and then they have a back-to-back Monday. They've got Philly, and then next Wednesday is the Dame return game. I don't know, looking at the schedule, I think a Tuesday Megapod. I have Mm -hmm. copied and pasted every question from your mentions in my email. And I know we've teased it before, but I have literally copied and pasted every question that I want to get to. And maybe even some give us different ones since it's the Dame return game and we can talk about that. But we've, I mean, we're already going over an we're, hour we're, and 20 we're, minutes yeah, here. We're, we're, we're deep. And and honestly, it's a mistake on your part because your loud mouth, you knew you could not stop ranting and you knew you were going to take over this podcast with all of the takes. All of the takes. It's been three weeks. So, They're stored up. But it, we, yeah. we have more questions here. I will say this. I have talked to Dame yes. a lot over the last couple of weeks. He's coming home. He's very excited to come home. This is he excited is, for the big return? He is. Yeah. This it, it's more than basketball to him. This is it has to. It's be. it's. I hope everybody comes out there. Like I'm not going to tell you whether boo cheer. Like do what you you need. Nobody, to do. not a soul is booing that man. That will be the I, most I, universal approval rating of all time. That is. That's I I John think Kennedy so. coming I, to your I, venue. I I think it's that's kind of how it's going to go. Is that it's. 
people are like they're going to put that video up and they're going to cry. He's going to be a rock star when he gets in that building. If and he is, and he is going to be useless in the sense of like it's going to just tug at his heartstrings. It has but, to. Oh, it's going to. It's going it to turn. Him, to. It's going to turn him into mush. Yeah. Uh, he's again. I will tell you wholeheartedly. He is very excited about coming home. I think I think they're going to be in town for like two days, so he'll actually oh, great. be home, sleep in his own bed, kind of a deal. Yeah. Um, and it's gonna it's gonna be a lot. It's 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 gonna wear. It's really the only guy it's really gonna wear out on the floor for the Blazers is probably Ant. Like that's the only guy that's gonna be Ant's the only one who's like that with him. Maybe maybe JG because sure. they're friends. Because like, he got JG here. He yeah, but but JG they are here. they are friends. But like yeah. Ant still talks to him all the time. Right. That's his big brother, man. That's Unk. You know, like it's. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm genuinely. I I want like. It's weird. Like again, this is the, my own personal thing. Is like I got to see him once during the whole trade thing. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen him since then, and since covering this team literally since his rookie year, it has been very weird to not see him every day. Yeah, and to finally see him during the season once is going to be really weird. Uh, I have a, a a mental image now. I'm just thinking like. I can just see him on the top bunk and Giannis on the bottom. Step brothers like bunk yeah. collapsing. We've, I, there's so much blood everywhere. <laughs> Giannis, I got cut. I got I got cut. Like that's what I'm seeing in my head. Uh, we don't need to relitigate it. It's a useless exercise. I just want to say it into the ether because I might say it again on Tuesday. Uh, I'm still honestly. I get the business side. I get the whole like long term view. I'm still bummed. I still would have preferred building and and trading everything to to win with Lettero. Um, but again, I we don't need to relitigate it. I totally, you know, things happen and mm. it got to where it got. And hopefully, he's going to go thrive and continue to thrive uh, in Milwaukee, even with having uh, Doc Rivers now. Which you know, people trashed it. He's better than Griffin, and like that, like it's that, an upgrade. It is. I'm not going to argue with that. That's um, probably all you need when you have a Giannis and a Dame and a yeah. Middleton and a Lopez. You just and, need to be and, a little bit better than what you had. Shout out to Dame. Uh, not only his eighth All Star team, his first time as a as a starter. Uh, that was a really cool thing. Also hilarious that it takes him to have to play with the Giannis for him to get that kind of recognition. And that's what it was. So. It was playing with playing with G. That's that's what yeah. it was. So yeah. uh, thank you all for being here. We went super long. Uh, we will be back. Um, whether I do them with Brandon or not, I am probably going to do my first kind of, um, not mock draft, but my first mock draft board probably for the top 10. That's something I'm going to drop uh, both in written form and probably do a little pod on if Brandon wants to hop on and do that and talk about some stuff. We'll take some questions on that as we are now halfway through the season and we're getting we're making the push towards uh, March Madness and then Hoop Summit. Uh, the Hoop Summit team was just announced and it is loaded. Yeah. Loaded. This is one of the most loaded Team USA Hoop Summit teams in probably 10 years. It is. I think if Four of the top seven projected picks. Uh, and then on the international side, they're going to probably have four of the top 15. Uh, it's Yeah, no, it is it is all gas. It is going to be a ton of fun. Um, I'm, it's going to be frustrating for Dusty because after having me gone for three weeks, he's going to have me gone for three more days in the middle of <laughs> April. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but thank you all for being with us. We love you. Appreciate you. You can find us on social media at Danny Murray, at Brandon Sprague, at Jack Ramsey's. Email the show at jackramsey's.com. Thank you all for being here. Brandon, you got anything? 
Uh, no, just thanks everybody for hanging with us. Apologies again. It's out of our control. That was the universe. Danny got sick. I We're was back. dying. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> we got a whole, whole lot more. I got those questions stored. We'll yep. bring a new pod. Me and Danny are going to talk on the side. We'll get that draft stuff in order. And thanks for hanging out with us tonight. All right. Appreciate you guys. Remember, you can get Brandon every morning, 6 to 9 every morning, with his co-host Andy Dirt Johnson and me from noon to 3, my co-host Dusty Era, both on 1080 The Fan, 1080 AM The Fan, uh, YouTube.com backslash 1080 AM and The Fan, and Twitch.com backslash 1080 AM The Fan. We are all across your, your streaming services now uh, as well. Thank you all for being here. We appreciate you. We love you. Have a wonderful night. Take care. Talk soon. Mm, bye.